Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Today we're going to talk about this. We'll be in Mark chapter 5. Uh, verse 35 through 43, it's the story of Jesus raising uh, Jairus' daughter from the dead. And uh, our topic is this, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe is a topic that we're going to be looking at. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of those verses to kind of launch us into it. This is our focal uh, passage, these uh, next two verses. Uh, While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house... Some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But over here in what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. A couple of words that he uses there when he tells him do not fear in the, in the Greek. We get our uh, word phobos from it, you know, to, to be afraid of, of something, to have this overriding fear uh, in your life that can be uh, affecting your life. Uh, but here he's using a, a strong negative. He's saying uh, absolutely do not be afraid. Don't be paralyzed uh, by your fears. And instead, Jesus says only believe. Merely or only have faith in. Uh, that word for belief means to have faith in or upon or with respect to a person or thing. It's also used in the Bible uh, kind of exclusively to talk about uh, the faith that we entrust to Jesus for our salvation. The persuasion that we have is what the root word means, to be persuaded, to have credence in whatever it is we're exercising our faith in. So Jesus, I want you to get this to set the strong context. So Jesus looks at a man who has just been told his daughter is dead. And Jesus looks at this man and he says, do not fear, only believe. That can be a tough statement to hear in a tough moment. Amen. Can also be a very needful statement to hear. With it coming from Jesus in a very difficult moment in someone's life. But I want to set the the context for that before we jump into it, hopefully gaining some things for ourselves in this message. And it's simply this. If, If Jesus is looking at a man whose daughter has just died, and Jesus is ministering to him by saying, do not fear, only believe. If Jesus can help the fears of a man whose daughter has just died and tell him only believe, I promise you Jesus can help whatever fear we're going through in our lives. Amen? So we're going to look at the verses that surround that. We'll look at the whole story. And as we kind of continues at the context, Mark's gospel in this section of Mark, there's several things that we can find about victory. We can find that Jesus won the victory over danger in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. 
We can find Jesus winning victory over demons in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. We can find Jesus winning victory over disease in Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 34. And now in the text we're looking at today, we find Jesus winning victory over death in Mark chapter 5, verse 35 through 43. So if, if we have that much of a theme of victory in this part of Mark's gospel, hopefully today we can find victory for our personal fears. Amen? And as we do this, I, I want to kind of ask you three challenging questions to begin with. And then we're also going to have three encouraging instructions or encouraging statements that we can make from this story about Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. If you're following along there in the updates, filling in the blank, taking notes today, here's your, here's your first one. And, uh, and that is simply uh, this. We want to ask ourselves this challenging question. There's going to be three challenging questions and then three encouraging statements. Challenging question number one is simply this. What is causing fear in your life that you need to bring to Jesus? <clears throat> I want to qualify this just for a moment. I finished this sermon probably on Tuesday. <laughs> and since then, there have been circumstances that some people are facing that I'm aware of and everything. And I, I'm just telling you, I think maybe God put this together because of some circumstances that I know that people are facing in their, in their lives. What's causing fear in your own personal life that you need to bring to Jesus? So we look at verse 21 through 23. It said, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Uh, that's a very personal thing in your life. The, the word my literally means of me. It's, it, it's, it's his daughter. And he's trying to seek help because his daughter, his young daughter, the Bible will tell us as we go through this passage that she is 12 years old. His young daughter is about to die. Now, now to help you understand a little bit more about this action that, that Jairus is, is making before I kind of personalize it in our direction for a moment, it is that we need to recognize who Jairus was. Jairus being a ruler in the synagogue meant this. It meant that he would actually help kind of oversee things, the worship services and maybe other things that would happen in the synagogue. If you'll remember, the people in the synagogue were not necessarily fans of Jesus, Amen. Because they're the religious crowd and they're really upset because Jesus is doing things that they can't do. And people are starting to listen to Jesus and follow Jesus around instead of listening to what they say so much. So kind of jealousy started to creep into their lives and, and they're not very tickled with Jesus. So I would submit to you this is a very difficult thing for someone who has all this peer pressure being a ruler of the synagogue to come publicly and throw himself at the feet of Jesus. And ask Jesus to come with him and heal his daughter. 
Because he's doing this in a public way and, and there would be other people that would see it. No doubt there's probably other people from the synagogue, other leaders from the synagogue, because they pretty much had some spies wanting to follow Jesus around and take notes about things that he was doing and try and find something they didn't like that he was doing so they could bring charges against him. And Jairus pushes beyond that and, and he comes and he throws himself down at the at the feet of Jesus. So let me ask you, personalize it again. What is it in your own life that's causing fear in your life? Jairus at that point was scared that his daughter was about to die. What is it that you have in your life this morning that's causing fear in your life? What is it that you need to bring to Jesus? And, and you need to, to, to cast at his feet and forget about the crowd. What is it in, in your life that you need to bring to Jesus? Put yourself in Jairus' shoes for a moment. From my own life, I can remember when Jared was being born. And uh, we had already had Jessica and Bethany, and yes, we went through Lamaze class, so I had listened to the heart monitors, and I had watched the scale, uh, the graph, and everything like that twice before, and I could tell things were different. We didn't know necessarily why they were different, but ultimately, uh, Jerry's heart rate kept falling up, and what had happened was there was a couple of knots in the cord, and the cord had actually got wrapped around his neck. I've ministered to people whose children had that happen and the oxygen was cut off too long and they were never normal. But I could tell something was wrong. And it was like one o'clock in the morning and man, I'm walking over in the corner of this delivery room and I'm praying hard. <laughs> because I could tell it's just not the same. Thank the Lord that he doctor saw it and everything and kind of untangled the cord and 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 he was born and he was always healthy until he turned about 12 and then he started turning jaundice colors and and things and ultimately after a series of tests i'm even at baptist hospital and my 12 year old son's getting a long needle ran into his liver to take a sample of, of his liver and we find out he had autoimmune hepatitis which is not like hepatitis C. It's where your immune system decides uh, part of your body's an enemy and it starts to attack it. They don't really know why it happens. They think it's because we've so sterilized our environment, you know, that we live in today. When I grew up, you'd eat dirt pies. Amen? you get out playing in the creek, you wouldn't think about what, you know, your mom would tell you to wash your hands. You didn't do it, you know, before you'd eat or anything like that. But, but we went through that with Jerry, and I can remember right after we found out what it was, being paralyzed with fear and praying. Some of you have been there. Some of you are there. And all I'm doing is just using that as an illustration to tell you whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever you're here with this morning that's causing fear in your life, you need to bring to the feet of Jesus. You need to identify those fears and you need to bring them to Jesus. 
Second thing, and I kind of jumped ahead a little bit a moment ago, but uh, you'll understand the thought. The, the second challenging question is this. Are, are you willing to cast aside your pride and your reputation and seek the help of Jesus? Once again, it said, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell down at his feet and implored him earnestly. I gave you the background to Jairus a moment ago, the fact that he would have to have been going counting against the peer pressure and everything else to come and throw his self at the feet of Jesus. But when you read that, the way that's phrased, it's like he's there begging Jesus in public. He's there really imposing upon Jesus. Jairus' name itself meant enlightener. So there might have been people that had this image of Jairus in the synagogue like, man, he's all that. He, he's supposed to be an enlightener and, and, and all. And Jairus would have known what some of his peers would have thought. He would have heard the gossip and, and things and the negative stuff they would have been saying about Jesus. And yet he swallows that and, and he goes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he implores Jesus. He imposes himself upon Jesus in a public way. And, and I would submit to you this, that was not an easy thing for Jairus to do. He understood the environment. He understood what some of his buddies in the synagogue thought about Jesus. And it wasn't a very easy thing for him to do. And yet he cast his pride aside. You see, I, I think maybe it's easier though when you get to this point. <laughs> Jairus is more concerned about his daughter and his love for his daughter than he's concerned about what anybody thought. Amen. And he comes and he, and he casts himself there because he's desperate. And that's the way a lot of people are when they come to Jesus. I, I would suggest to you, don't wait till you get in a desperate situation to, to come to Jesus if you've never done so. But I will tell you, he can put you in a desperate situation. To where you're really, really ready to, to come to him. So my question is simply this for us this morning. Are you willing to do what Jairus did? If you have some things in your life that shouldn't be there, if you have some fears in your life that shouldn't be there, or maybe if you've never ever trusted Christ at all as your personal Savior, or are you willing to come to the point that you cast aside your pride and you quit worrying about what other people would think, and you cast aside your reputation, and, and you just come and you, and you throw yourself at, at the feet of Jesus. See, in a, in, a, in a crowd this size, some of you probably need to cast aside your, proud and your, your pride and your reputation and come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness and salvation because you've never really done that. In a crowd this size, some of you need to forget about your pride and your reputation and get honest with yourself and get honest with others and get honest with God and admit you've got some addictions in your life, some things in your life that don't need to be there. And, and you need to quit worrying about what somebody else will think about me if I let people know I'm struggling with these addictions. What you need to do is worry more about what God will think about you and you need to come and get enrolled in our Celebrate Recovery Program or some other program that we can help you with and get the help that God wants you to have and quit worrying about your stinking pride and your reputation. 
Some of you have past hurts. And I'm not trying to minimize past hurts. Hurts can be very significant and hard to deal with in your life. But some of you have past hurts that you've been holding on to and you've been feeding and you've been nurturing and petting it kind of like a pet at home. You, you need to quit doing that and you need to bring that past hurt to Jesus. Some of you have maybe relational struggles. Some of you may have some very hard issues going on in your life at, at, at work. Some of you are trying to pretend to be one thing while you're really something else. And you need to, to rip the mask off and quit worrying about trying to put this wrong self-image out and be honest and transparent with yourself and God. And you need to quit worrying about your reputation, what somebody else thinks. And cast your pride aside and bring it to Jesus. Jairus was willing to do that. And I would just ask you that you would be willing to do that. You, you need to be very urgent in seeking Jesus. Third challenging question is this. How much faith do you have in Jesus? How much faith do you have in Jesus? Look here at Jairus' faith. The second part of verse 23, saying, this is what Jairus said, My daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. The little phrase in the Greek for made well is the same word sometimes translated as salvation, to save, to deliver, to protect, to be saved, to be made whole. I'd kind, of submit, I'd kind of submit to you this morning for Jairus to come to Jesus and say, my daughter's about to die, but I think you can do something about it. Communicates a large amount of faith. A huge amount of faith for him to come to Jesus. That's how large the faith was that Jairus had at this point in time. You see, he had probably already heard rumors about the miracles that Jesus had performed. By the way, Jesus had already brought someone back to life by this point also. But he had probably heard about some of the miracles that Jesus had performed, the healings that had taken place. He had probably heard it out in the marketplace. And he had probably heard about it back at the synagogue when some of his buddies were gossiping and complaining in a negative way about the stuff that Jesus was doing. But something motivated him to where he felt like Jesus could do something. He was convinced that Jesus could change the circumstances of his daughter. And he comes publicly and throws himself before Jesus. And he has this large faith to where he's saying, I believe you can keep my daughter from dying. I believe you can come. She's at the point of death. But I believe you can come and change things. So the question for us this morning is this. How much faith do you have in Jesus? How much faith do I have in Jesus? How, how large is our, is our faith? See, we need to be convinced of something. We need to be convinced that Jesus can do anything. Amen? Doesn't mean he always will. Doesn't mean he'll always answer our prayers the exact way we think he should, but he can. Amen? And we need to ask him like he can. 
James chapter 4 verse 2 says this, you do not have because you do not ask. It's one thing for us to be going through something, we pray, we pray, and we pray, and it doesn't get the, the solution we desired. But at least you are demonstrating faith in Jesus. Amen? It's another thing to be so paralyzed by whatever it is, you just give up and you don't pray. And you don't ask. And you don't seek Him. Because we, we need to be willing to, to, to seek Him, believing that, that He can do anything. Now that's our three challenging questions this morning. But as we continue going through this story, I also want us to look at three encouraging instructions I, I think we can pull from this passage of Scripture. Here's the first one. When the response of Jesus seems delayed, notice what else Jesus is doing and allow it Allow that. Allow what else Jesus is doing to increase your faith. Instead of being frustrated that Jesus hasn't answered your prayer yet, or instead of being frustrated because there's interruptions and and things taking longer than you think they should, we need to look around and understand Jesus is doing a whole lot in our world. Amen? Amen? And take faith from what we see Jesus doing in other situations. In, in the midst of this story about Jairus' daughter, there's another very familiar story that you've heard about all your life, probably if you've been in church. I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm just going to talk through it, and Greg can kind of maybe come, go through it as I, as I talk through it. But there's this woman that had a disease. She'd had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And she had been to the doctors trying to get help, and it seemed like they weren't helping. In fact, the Bible even says she suffered many things at the hands of the doctors. I have too sometimes, have you? (laughs) And yet, she hears about Jesus, and she knows Jesus is passing through, and she presses through the crowd just feeling like if she could just reach out and touch his garment, just the hem of his garment, she had the faith that by even doing that, she would be healed and made whole. So that's what happens. She presses through the crowd. She reaches out. She grabs hold of his garment. The instant that she does, Jesus feels power. Some translations say virtue, but he feels power. Leave his body. And he turns around and he starts looking for whoever it was. And he, his disciples are almost like, Jesus, are you crazy to ask who it is? There's people bumping you all over the place. But you see, her bump was different because hers was an act of faith. Yeah, Jesus might have been brushing up against other people, but for this woman with this disease, it was an act of faith for her. And she reaches out and touches him of his garment. And when she does, she is healed. So Jesus turns around looking for her, looking for who it was. And then he sees her, and she says what she's done. And Jesus told her this, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
The Bible says, when Jairus came and asked Jesus to go with him, that he went with him. The word for going with him means to be in the same way with him. And, and, and I think maybe we ought to imply that in a bigger way than we might tend to. I think that word is implying that Jesus did more than just go walking with Jairus to go to Jairus' home to heal his daughter. To be in the same way with him meant that Jesus was sympathetic with him. Jesus understood what he was going through. Jesus understood his fear. Jesus understood his pain. Jesus understood his concern that he had for his daughter. Jesus was in the same way with him. And and as Jesus is walking there through that crowd, this lady with a disease, interesting word, because it gives the idea of contact, and it was used even to describe a whip, like, like the Roman whip that was used on criminals to describe her disease. It's like for the 12 years she's been sick with this disease, she's being scourged by this disease. And she touches Jesus, and virtue or power, the word in the Greek is dunamis. We get our word dynamite or dynamo or force from it. There's this miraculous power that heals her, and Jesus said, it's your faith. That word we looked at when I first started the message, it's your persuasion, it's your credence, it's your moral conviction, especially used in the Bible in the New Testament about relying upon Christ for salvation. It was the fact that she was convinced. It was the fact that she was relying upon Jesus and who he was and in touching him that made her whole. Now, once again, put yourself in Jairus' shoes. You've been in to see Jesus. You know that, that the peer pressure you've had to go against, the, your, your pride and your reputation because of what your friends at the synagogue are going to think. You've gone in a public way and you've thrown yourself before Jesus to ask for his help. Then good news, Jesus is going to go with you. Your daughter's in the process of dying. But all of a sudden, things get interrupted. And things don't happen as fast, maybe, as Jairus would have liked them to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, honest, humanly speaking, you know, me and all of us here, if it was my daughter that was dying... Hey, Jesus, forget about this crowd. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Come here. My daughter's about to die. But that's not what happened because of the press of the crowd that slowed him down. Because this lady reaching out by faith that slowed him down. Because Jesus turned around to look for her. It it slowed things down. And he's going to hear that his daughter's died. Humanly speaking, we get upset in times like that, don't we? We get frustrated in times like that because we're thinking, Jesus, I I need you with me right now because my daughter's about to die. We we get frustrated in our prayers sometimes when Jesus doesn't answer right when we think he should. What I'm saying is this, instead of us getting frustrated, maybe we need to do what Jairus had the opportunity to do. See, the Bible doesn't tell us Jairus got upset. I'm just reading into his human nature, right? 
Don't you think he'd been a little bit frustrated that things got slowed down, his daughter's dying? But look what happens. He gets to see a woman by faith reach out and just touch the garment of Jesus, and all of a sudden she's healed. Don't you think that that also would have increased his faith? Man, if she got healed just by touching his garment, can you imagine what he can do for my daughter when he comes to me and lays hands on her? Amen? So I'm I'm trying to give you a a higher perspective, a higher way that we need to look at things when we've been praying and we've been asking God to intervene and we've been asking God for help and we're asking God to deal with our fears and it doesn't happen as quickly as what we think it should. Instead of us getting frustrated and upset, maybe we need to be a little bit more like Jairus. Maybe we need to look at the world and we see what Jesus is doing here, what Jesus is doing there, how Jesus is helping this person. And still being upset that he's not helped us yet, it increases our faith to where we just believe all the more. Jesus can make a difference. Jesus had just, or or Jairus had just witnessed this great miracle. I'm just telling you, he should have increased his faith. Don't you think so? Next thing, we've looked at three challenging questions. We're trying to look at three encouraging instructions. The next one is this. Number five, don't allow your faith to diminish. Don't allow your faith to diminish when situations worsen or even when they seem impossible. Don't allow your faith to diminish when things get worse. Or it seems like the situation is impossible. Because it really gets looking in the realm of impossibility here for Jairus to start with. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, what we looked at starting the message, do not fear, only believe. Jairus' situation was bad to start with, right? My daughter's sick. She's about to die. She's at the point of death. And now he gets this news. Suddenly things become very hopeless maybe for Jairus. The situation seems like it's now impossible because some people come from Jairus' house and they come to him and they say, your daughter is dead. And the word literally means that, to die off, to be dead, to die. Why trouble or why continue to, to flay or harass is what the word trouble means. Why keep harassing Jesus? Why keep harassing the, the master, the teacher? Why keep bothering him? Kind of reminds me of another situation. Remember in, uh, in Luke chapter 11... Mary and Martha had sent for Jesus because her brother Lazarus was about to die. Jesus intentionally waited before he left. He didn't go right away. I mean, first time I read that years and years ago in the Bible, I thought, what's up with that? You know, why didn't he go right away? 
The Bible tells us by the time he did arrive, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus didn't fail to go because he wasn't concerned because the Bible talks about him weeping. But what Jesus does is this. He calls, Larry, uh, he, he calls for Lazarus to come forth. I heard an old preacher years ago, and you probably heard this said before, but I remember years and years ago hearing it said, if he had not said Lazarus, everybody in the cemetery would have got up. Amen? If he just said, come forth, because Jesus has authority over death. Amen? And, and something they said might be similar to what Jairus was feeling at this time, because in John chapter 11, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Now, that's before Jesus showed up and he raised Lazarus from the dead. And they said, man, if you had only gone here, you could have done something. Can't you imagine that same thought is kind of going through Jairus' mind? If you had hurried up, if you had got there, you could have done something to help my daughter. What we have to remember is this. We need to remember when situations get worse or seem impossible, we need to remember this. Jesus Christ is God, and God can do anything. Amen? You want evidence of that? Look in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, Therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself, talking about Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. He became flesh. That through death, he went to the cross, he died for our sins. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. What's that basically telling us? That's telling us because Jesus became flesh and Jesus died and Jesus took his life back up. The enslavement that we've been worried about all our lives to death is gone for believers now because Jesus defeated death. As a believer, we shouldn't go around paralyzed and in fearful of death. And when we think about that, if Jesus took his own life up, there's not anything too difficult for Jesus. With Jesus, we're never, ever, ever really without hope. I understand you're human and I'm human. I felt hopeless before. You felt hopeless before. But what we need to remind ourselves as believers is this. We as Christians are never, ever, ever, ever really without hope. Amen? It might not work out the way we want it to. But we're never without hope. Jesus looked at them in Matthew chapter 19 verse 26. And said, with man, this is impossible, but with, all, but with God, all things are possible. With God, with Jesus, we always have hope, even when things look impossible. See, what we need to do is what Jairus had the opportunity to do. We need to listen to the words of Jesus and believe. We need to listen to the words of Jesus and believe. Because overhearing what they said, Jesus knew what they said. Overhearing what they said... Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Now, the, the word in the Greek that's used here for overhearing is kind of interesting also. Because the word literally means to disobey, to neglect to hear. 
So the Bible tells us Jesus overheard, but here's the point of that. Jesus heard what they were saying, but it didn't change the plans for Jesus. Amen? Jesus heard that they said that his daughter's dead, but that didn't change things for Jesus. Because he is still God in the flesh. He's still in charge. It's like he was hearing what they were saying. He was thinking, I'm not going to worry about that. And he looked at this leader in the synagogue who had cast all these pride aside and come and threw himself at Jesus' feet. And he looked at him and said, listen, don't be frightened, don't be alarmed, don't be, don't be afraid right now. He says, only believe. And when you read that phrase, only believe, at this point in time, when he says that to this ruler in the synagogue, the tense that he uses in the Greek language means keep on believing. It's like Jesus is saying, you came to me and you bowed down before me and you asked me to go with you and you asked me to come heal your daughter. You, you were believing then. He, he's saying, keep on believing. Don't stop believing now. Just because it seems like the circumstances is worse, just because it seems like you're without hope right now, don't stop believing. He's saying you need to keep on believing. Keep having the credence that, that you had in me. Keep having the persuasion that you had in me, the faith that you had in me. It's a similar form of the same word that he used when he spoke to the woman who touched his garment. And he said, you are healed by faith. Now Jesus looks at this man who had came after him to come and heal his daughter. And he says, don't be afraid. Keep believing. He heard him use that similar word to the woman that had just been healed of the issue of blood. And now Jesus looks at Jairus and he uses that same form of the word as he looks at him and he says, keep on believing. It's like Jesus was saying to him, you had a certain amount of faith when you came to me and your faith was helped when you saw what I did for that woman. Don't quit now. Keep on believing. You see, here's the truth, and our world doesn't figure out things like this because they're not walking by faith. But here's the truth. The impossibility of death was only an opportunity for Jesus. Amen? No matter how bad it might seem, that's an opportunity for Jesus to show up. It doesn't mean he'll always heal. It doesn't mean he'll always keep someone from dying. But it's always an opportunity for Jesus to show up and him be glorified through the situation in some way and somehow if we'll allow that to happen in our faith. The third encouraging instruction we can glean from this story in the sixth thing that we've looked at in this story of, of Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead is this. We need to ignore the unbelieving crowd and their laughter and we need to keep believing. We need to ignore the unbelieving crowd. We need to ignore their laughter. And we need to keep believing. Because see, that's what happens when they get to Jairus' house. I want you to see three things that took place once they arrived at the house. And 
three things that we need to draw from this to apply to our own lives. First one is in verse 37. After Jesus heard them say the daughter's dead, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of, of John. And I said something similar to this last week and the week before. But we need to recognize that we ought to follow Jesus as closely as we can because by doing so, we'll experience some things that other people miss. When we look to the Mount of Transfiguration, these three were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were invited to come along. They got to see something on the top of that mountain that all the rest of the disciples missed. Wherever Jesus invites us, we need to follow Jesus as closely as we possibly can follow him so we don't miss out on what Jesus had prepared for us. I'm not saying it will always lead you to a happy place in your life. Following Jesus may lead you to tragic circumstances, a room where someone's died. Following Jesus may lead you to unbelieving crowds or where they're laughing and they're making fun because that's what happens in this story. But you and I, as the followers of Christ and believers in Him, we need to let the unbelieving crowd laugh. We don't need to let that to deter us. We don't need that to change our pathway in following Jesus. We need to follow Jesus all the more. Let the unbelieving world laugh if they want to, but we need to follow Jesus as close as we can and experience what he wants us to experience. Second thing from this story that happened at the house once they arrived is, is this, that we need to apply to our own lives. Jesus can enter your commotion. <laughs> you ever had a commotion in your life? Huh? Well, you must not have ever had kids then. Jesus can enter your commotion and change it. Verse 38 through the first part of verse 39. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? Jesus is a spectator of this as he walks up. That's what the word literally means. There's this huge disturbance, this uproar, this clamor, this wailing, this, this frightening of, of, of trouble that had taken place. They're, they're weeping and wailing out loud. They're, they're wailing in such a way it sounds like a shout or a clang taking place. There, there's this great commotion and uproar that is occurring in the house when, when Jesus arrives. And Jesus walks in to this commotion. And the laughing crowd's going to be forced to leave in just a moment. You'll see that next. But he walks into this commotion and he's going to change the commotion. He's going to change the situation. He's going to change from what was strong crying in tears to joy. There's going to be a, a dramatic difference because Jesus had Enter this house 
What I want us to draw from that part of the story is simply this. The same Jesus that was concerned about Jairus. The same Jesus that walked into their commotion. That same Jesus is concerned for our lives and he can enter our commotion, our tragedies, our weeping, and our wailing. And Jesus can make a difference. Once again, I'm not health and wealth, guys. You know I'm not that. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not guaranteeing you Jesus is going to keep your daughter from dying. I'm not guaranteeing you that everything will always get better because Jesus uh, shows up that someone will be healed. But I am guaranteeing you this. It's better for you to face it with Jesus than without Jesus. Amen. Third thing I want you to get out of this story in the house after they arrive is simply this. Don't allow a lack of faith to put you outside the door of blessing. Don't allow a lack of faith in your life to put you outside the door of blessing. Look what happens. Jesus shows up and they're crying, and they're wailing. This huge commotion is taking place. And then Jesus says this, the child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, Jesus isn't saying that she's really just asleep like we fall asleep. The word for sleeping in the Bible is also used to speak of death. But when God is in the house, when Jesus is in the house, <laughs> death can be just like sleeping. Amen. Look what happened after Jesus made that comment. Verse 40. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, which means, I'll just go ahead and read you the translation because the word itself doesn't mean anything to you. Little girl, I said, you arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them not to go and tell this all around. Wasn't time yet to do that. But he also gave them a second instruction. Give her something to eat. (laughs) You don't feed a corpse. Amen. Jesus showed up. And he makes this statement that she is not dead, and they are laughing him to scorn. They're making fun of of Jesus. The the word for for laugh means to to laugh down or to deride. They're trying to put Jesus down. They're thinking he's, he's crazy for him to say this girl isn't dead. So the phrase put them all outside... The, the words in the Greek that Jesus uses there in the Greek New Testament means to eject, to throw them out violently or intensely. So Jesus didn't just kind of come over and say, all right, you laughed at me now. Come here, I want you to go outside the house. They laughed at Jesus and Jesus ejected them out of the house. Because of their lack of faith, they were not going to be allowed to be in that house and witness the power of God and witness a miracle that was about to take place. And he goes over and he, and, he, and he took the parents. And it literally means to receive near. Some translations say he took the parents by the hand. 
And he walks over to where the young girl is, and he tells her to, to arise, young girl, arise. And she stands up, and she began walking, which literally means to tread all around, to walk at large, to live, to deport yourself. And because of that, the people that saw this and his parents were overcome. They were put out of their wits is what the word means. They were astounded. They were amazed. They were astonished. Another way to translate that is to say they were beside themselves with amazement. Their mind, they had this displacement of their mind. All of a sudden, man, things have completely changed. They're, they're bewildered. How in the world can this take place? That she was dead and now she's alive. The word can even be translated as ecstasy. They're filled with so much joy when Jesus raises their daughter from the dead. They were amazed. Now, now Jairus had some faith when he went to Jesus and he said, come and heal her before she dies. Can you imagine the faith that he has now? The, the disciples had faith. I mean, we've already looked at a situation where Jesus walked on the water and he came to them and he stilled the storm. We've already talked about a situation that same Sunday when Jesus was in a boat asleep and they were afraid they were going to sink. And Jesus gets up and tells the wind to stop and it just stopped. And Peter looks at him and, and says, what in the world kind of man can make the waves and the wind obey his command? And now they get to see this. Now they'd be saying in their mind through their faith, what kind of man raises the dead? Their faith would have been increased in a huge, large way. But Jesus has it done with that. <laughs> because you see, in their future is going to be this. They're going to see Jesus arrested, beaten, abused, crucified, nailed to the cross, thrown in a grave. But guess what else they're going to experience? <laughs> On the third day, he's going to take his life back up. Ultimately, their faith is going to be increased. Amen? Not only does he raise other people, he raises himself after he's been nailed to a cross and put in a tomb. So they're, the, these that, that are allowed to be on the inside, these that are allowed to stay inside the house, they, they have this sheer amazement take place. They're beside themselves with joy. Jesus tells them to get her something to eat. I thought about that this week as I was studying that. And I, th I thought, I mean, it can be a joyful thing sometimes, maybe not all the time, for you to fix a meal for your family, right? Fix a meal for your children. Imagine how quickly the mother got to work <laughs> when her daughter has been raised from the dead and Jesus says, give her something to eat. Probably the quickest meal she'd ever thrown together in her life. What I'm trying to point out to you is this. All the others, the laughing crowd, the unbelieving crowd, they miss seeing this great miracle. Because of their laughter and their lack of faith, Jesus puts them outside the door of blessing. They get... They, they do not get to see the extreme blessing of Jesus performing this great miracle. And, and my, my closing challenge to you is simply this. Do not allow your 
lack of faith to put you outside the door of blessing. You keep believing and you keep trusting no matter what the circumstances are. But I want to apply that in a larger way, and here's what I mean by that. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't allow your lack of faith and your laughter at the gospel and your laughter at the Word of God, don't allow that to one day put you ultimately forever outside the door of blessing. Because the Bible says that's exactly what will happen to anyone that does not believe. Admittedly, we live in a time, we live in a world when we've got all kinds of reasons to have fearful circumstances in our lives. I mean, just watch the news, you know. I, I mean, t- I'm sorry, guys. I'm not, I'm not trying to be political, but I'm just saying, it looks like to me our country's gone crazy. And, you know, everything that, that, that you see. And all kinds of reasons for us to be afraid. We have church members who are filled with fear right now because they have children that are sick. Or fathers that are sick. Or family that's been in automobile accidents. Or family that has died even last night. One of our church members lost their mother last night. You've got reasons in your own life that I probably don't know anything about to be fearful. But I do know this. What we need to do is hear the words of Jesus and hear Him say, do not fear, only believe. We need to hear Jesus say, keep on believing. Don't allow the circumstances to change your faith. You had faith in me, keep on believing. Don't allow the laughter of the crowd to change your faith. Keep on believing no matter what it is that you're facing. Unbelief laughs at God's Word, but faith lays hold of God's Word and experiences the power of God and the peace of God in their lives. Don't be like the laughing crowd. Now, I want to remind you because I don't want anyone going away from here thinking, man, that means whatever I believe has to happen. Well, what I've tried to teach you this morning doesn't mean that God must always rescue his people from danger. James that we read about this morning being part of that inner circle of the disciples, they got to see this great miracle in Acts chapter 12, Herod kills James with a sword. And Peter's arrested and thrown in jail. Eventually tradition tells us Peter was crucified upside down for his faith. And a lot of times we'll look at things like that. Well, what was up with that? Why did God let that happen? Well, here's why. God was more glorified in that than it would have been if Peter lived old age. Amen? The Apostle Paul himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, said this. He, he, he had asked God, he had prayed and asked God to take something away from him. A lot of people debate what it was. Some people think it was eyesight or something else that was afflicting him. But here's what Paul said in verse 9 through 10. He said, but 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Paul said it wasn't always good. It's not always good. But God is saying, no matter what you're facing, I'm, I'm enough for you. And you need to recognize that and allow your weakness to point you all the more to me. It's what God told him. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 tells us this. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. No matter what happens, no matter what we're facing, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Today we focused on three challenging questions. We just looked at three questions. What's causing fear in your own life? And I want to bring those back to bear because we're going to have a time. The band's going to come out. They're going to play. And, and we're going to have a time this morning for you to, for you to ask God, God, what does all this mean to me? What, what were you saying to me in the message? So here's your first question that I brought to you this morning. What's causing fear in your life that you need to bring to Jesus during this invitation? Right now, today, don't put it off. Whatever it is, ask God to help you identify what is causing the fear in your life and bring it to Him. Are you willing to cast aside your pride and reputation and seek the help of Jesus? Quit worrying about what anybody else thinks, what anybody else will say. A lot of times I think that keeps people from making decisions and coming forward at church. What will they think about me? It doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you. It matters what God thinks about you. And to be honest with you, the people that are around you would be thrilled to death that you brought something to Jesus. Because we've had to do the same stuff, right? Number three, how much faith do you have in Jesus? How large is your faith? And we've talked about these instructions that ought to encourage us. When the response to Jesus seems delayed... Allow the other things you see Jesus doing to increase your faith. Don't get bitter. Don't get upset. Look at what he's doing and say, man, I can't wait till he shows up in my life. Number two, don't allow your faith to diminish when things get worse or seem impossible. There's nothing too big or too bad for Jesus. Amen? Number three, ignore the unbelieving crowd and those who laugh at Jesus and keep believing. That last statement is something I'm afraid more and more you're going to have to grab hold of. Because right now, we live in a world and a culture that thinks you're an idiot if you believe in Jesus. They think you're crazy if you don't go along with their liberal values. They're the ones that call us bigots. <laughs> They're the ones that, that, that point at the church or people who have more conservative values and act like that we're narrow-minded. <laughs> and yet their viewpoint is if you don't have our viewpoint, the liberal viewpoint, then you're of no value at all. So I'm just telling you, more and more, we live in a world and a culture, you better learn how to ignore the unbelieving crowd and those that laugh, and you better keep believing anyway. Amen? Let's pray.
Father, we admit to you that we have fears of various reasons and various causes. Forgive us when we allow things in our lives to paralyze us or to frustrate us or to make us feel like we don't have any hope whatsoever. Father, help us to be willing to have a huge, large faith in you. Help us to be willing to bring our fears to you right now. Help us to not worry about what anyone else might think and bring our fears to you. Encourage us, Father, by knowing that nothing is too big for you, nothing's too difficult for you. Help us to have a large faith in you. Help us to seek you. Help us to understand even though you don't answer as quick as we think you should, you're still there and you're still God and you're still on the throne. Father, help us, give us the boldness we need to ignore the laughter of the world that we live in and to keep believing, to keep following you no matter what. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, or if you've got some doubt whether you really have, why not seal that today for sure? And you really need to because I'm afraid the more you live out in this world, the more your faith is going to be attacked with a goal of diminishing any faith you might have in Jesus. So if you never really trusted in Him, don't keep putting it off. Don't keep listening to the laughing crowd. Instead, you need to trust in Him. And as a believer, I know, I know many of you have fears today. And you've got some difficult situations. We'll pray for some of those in a moment. But in this invitation, why not bring those fears to the feet of Jesus? And leave today telling yourself and the world around you, you're going to keep believing no matter what. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.